antiquated, which was, oh no, I did it backwards because mm. I'm reading. The biggest problem. <laughs> Are you up for the challenge? <laughs> Welcome to the 42nd episode of the 313 Challenge. I'm your host, Ryan Fullen, and I'm here to challenge you to keep things simple and powerful. Now, can you boil down your messaging to just three sentences? Do you think you could do it in one sentence? And ultimately, do you think you could do it in just three words? Well, I can help you out. This is what I have challenged people just like you to do throughout my career as a speaker and a consultant around the world. And now, I've brought the 313 Challenge from the stage to the studio. This week's guest is Todd Meisner, and he is in the hot seat. We talked about how to bounce back from losing your job, how colleges and universities can benefit from hiring more adjunct professors, and how they can modernize higher education curriculum. Are you ready? Let's go. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yourself? You know, I'm good. I'm alive. Uh, the sun is out here and it's not the kind of icky, sticky that usually happens when the sun is out where you're at. Yep. Yep. Well, and I, I, I said to folks the other day, it, it, it is an interesting time to be saying, oh, things are great. Uh, I think all things considered, I can say I'm great, but being aware of, uh, you know, other things happening in the, in the world and the climate, I'll say I'm happy the sun's out. Yes. And in the midst of a pandemic and more civil unrest than we've seen in a long time, we can default to things like the weather to talk about the good or bad because everything else just is confusing, yep. sometimes challenging, uh, puts us out of our comfort zone. And so, yeah, we can default to the weather, but that's just scratching the surface. We'll make sure that we are cognizant of what's happening as we include it into our messaging because the reality is that how you communicated what you did pre-COVID-19 is different than post-COVID-19. How you communicated and really looked at how your messaging is pre-civil unrest to hopefully uh, sometime soon things being changed, we have to be aware of how we're communicating those differences. So to start off the show, we want to get to know a little bit about you. And in all transparency, you apply to be on the show, so you're here and we're, we're, going, to get to, we're going to get to know you. Can you tell us a story uh, just off the shelf, something that's happened in your life that if I were to tell that story to somebody else, they would be like, wow, this guy Todd, I feel like I know him. <laughs> what would that story be? Yeah, I think the story, I think it starts January 2015 when I was called up on a Friday afternoon by an employer that felt like I was in pretty good standing with and was told, hey, we're going in another direction. Pack up your stuff and send it in next week. Had got recently gone through a life change, had gotten divorced, moved into a new house. And then the next rug pulled out is, hey, you're unemployed. And having to take a hard look in the mirror and really think about, okay, this wasn't poor me. What led to this? What did I not do? What did I not see coming? Who did I not communicate with? Who did I not network with? And that's completely changed kind of how I do all those things now, how I'm intentional about networking, how I'm intentional about, you know, what I do, the actions I take, the people I associate with, all those sort of things really kind of I don't want to say came crashing down, but they changed the way I operate on that day when, you know, it's kind of, you know, blindsided with a firing and not the first person to be let go, not the last person to be let go. It's not something that's even really unique, 
but it was unexpected and it was different and it was kind of life changing, life altering. And that's really changed again, how I operate and how I do things both personally and professionally since that day, whatever it was, January 30th, 31st, end of the month, Friday, end of the month, when they call and say, Hey, we're making a change and going in a different direction. Now, you can't say crashing down and falling apart because it's, it's exactly what happened. What kind of sports did you play? I'm just curious about your resiliency when it comes to obviously working through something when everything falls apart. What was your game of choice to play? Uh, I grew up playing basketball and baseball. Um, okay. My dad was a high school basketball coach um, when I was a little kid. And then he was a teacher at the high school I went to, um, you know, all throughout junior high and high school. So he, he was kind of my life coach. But then I'd been on those, you know, different group teams, sports teams, where you kind of learn some of that stuff along the way. Hard knocks, wins, losses, how you adapt. Did you levitate to a certain position? Were you more offense? Were you more defense? I was a pitcher in baseball. Okay. And basketball, there's only five of you out there. I, I was a shooter. I was a three-man. But in baseball, I was a pitcher. I liked, again, that's kind of the control part of it. I liked having the game, the ball in my hands, the game on the line, all that type of stuff. And that's what I was going to point out. I mean, they're, like a, a pitcher is basically you have full control, and you might have felt like you were in the pitching position, and you got you got to strike out yourself, yeah. right? I got yeah, I got taken out. I was not performing apparently. Now, when it comes to the type of profession that you were inspired to move into or whatnot, without getting particular. Did you stay in that same industry or did this like really rattle the cages to where you just refocused everything and maybe went in a whole new direction? Uh, I've stayed in the same industry professionally um, as far as my nine to five. Um, I think it expanded my brain to on the side. I now do some adjunct instructing and stuff. And so I give back to others by what I do nine to five. And I don't know if I would have kind of, I don't know if I would have had the courage and the gumption to put myself out there and say, let me also teach this material. Had I not, again, had to kind of look in the mirror and say, what can you do better? How can you grow? How can you be, how can you be better? So it's always been kind of the marketing social media realm, but then taking it to the classroom and giving back, that's something that, again, I don't know if I would have had the gumption or the guts to do had I not had to kind of reinvent myself. Right. Well, I like to hear that you haven't stopped playing the game. You're just on a new team. Yep. And I think exactly. that's important. Because again, it speaks to something when your world crashes down, sometimes it calls for a complete pivot, but it sounds like it was a, a revamp, a retooling, and just improving the game from where you can as a player. Yeah, it was definitely just bringing out different qualities. I think I knew I could do some things well, but it was, how do I be a better leader? Or how do I communicate with people better so this doesn't happen again? Or that I can tell the next wave of um, you know, marketers or whoever that I'm trying to teach Here's what I've, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to lay myself out there. These are the mistakes I've made, you know, try not to do the same things. I wish somebody would have been that vulnerable with me when I was, you know, in my early twenties and had professors. And so I try to you know, strip away any of that veneer and just be honest, you know, when I'm teaching, still take the same approach to my nine to five, talking to my bosses, admit when I'm wrong. Hey, I don't know the answer to this. Let's have a talk. Let's raise my hand. You know, I think I was afraid to do a lot of those things before. And now you kind of realize you are who you are and you communicate how you communicate. Don't, don't put up all these shields around yourself. Well, I wish we would have met last year because you sound like a great <laughs> example to be featured in my book called Ditch the Act. The, exactly what you said, which is yep. you might feel like everything's fine and you've got, you know, all the good is there. And then it almost takes being cut off at the knees to realize 
that sharing what doesn't go well is actually what gives you the confidence, the strengths, the gumption, all that kind of stuff. And I don't look down at you at all for things crashing <laughs> down. In fact, I'm like, we have a lot in common. I've yeah. had a lot of things crash down. And so now well, we're sort of connected. Great, great example of, of ditching the act and realizing the importance of vulnerability. Are you ready to get vulnerable here? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> all right. So before we go into the actual 313 challenge, there's two things I want to clarify. One, your thought process, your methodology around the concept, I believe is true. And this is totally your ability to tell me what you think. I believe people care more about the problem that you solve than caring what you do. And it sounds harsh, like nobody cares what you do. But the argument I make is that in between the two of here's what I do, or here's the problem that I solve. I argue until I'm red in the face and I'm always red in the face because I'm a ginger. So I just keep <laughs> arguing is people care about the problem, not so much what you do. And so what are your thoughts on that? Because that's just a baseline. A lot of what we're going to talk about, I kind of keep going back to that. I completely agree with that. And I don't think I would have said that again five years ago, but the way I've had to look at things and take a, take a fresh approach to things, it's very similar to what I tell my students, but what I always try to sell myself or tell myself is bring solutions, not problems. Like don't go to your next staff meeting and say, complain about everything. Deal with those, whether it's, it's complaints or whether it's things that make you feel uncomfortable, whatever, but then approach them with, well, here's what I'm going to do to solve it. Hey, this isn't working right. This is what I've talked to. Here's my solution to make this work better. And don't just always bring the problems because that can really bring the room down and then you can kind of turn into the, you know, the Debbie Downer or whatever, whatever bad cliche you want to say about all he says is the bad stuff. Well, there's, there's always going to be bad stuff, but it's your approach to that. So bring solutions, not problems. And people, people care about the problem you can solve, not really what the actual root cause is. Can, can you solve it for me? Can you help me with it? Can you get me closer to figuring it out? I would much rather do that. Yeah, no, that's right on the spot. Not like you show me your business card with your job title, but I have this problem. Can you solve it? Yeah, great. After it's solved, you're like, wait, what, what do you do again? <laughs> yeah. No, I solve your problems. Okay. So we're on the same page there. And a lot of what we talk about is based on that. And the second thing is just like, what is your understanding of this 313 method? Uh, you've probably listened to maybe a few shows. Maybe you've seen some stuff out there. But I always like to give just a baseline and all transparency of like what you know, or maybe if you're still confused about it, so that we see you go through this with a reference point. Yeah, I'm not confused about it. I'm new to it. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to even think how you kind of showed up in my network and in my feeds of like-minded, you know, again, I've lots of folks that share the same philosophies who have started following on socials in the last four or five years. And, um, maybe it was through some of the minimalist stuff that I've been focusing on. I mean, cause that's just speaking clearly, you know, to your point, speaking clearly in as few as words as possible. How do you boil down what you can do? And minimalism is why do I need all this stuff? What do I need that matters? And what can I offload? And how can I make my life easier? And maybe that's how you, you know, got pulled into my Twitter feed or something. I'm not even really sure, but it obviously latched onto it. And then it was, oh, he's got a podcast. He's got a method that's not just, you know, oh, hey, join my podcast. Or hey, there's a whole method to being simple, using as few as words as possible. And I'm like, I'm, I can be a talker at times. So if I can boil down to what I do to a, to a new method that helps me really cut through the clutter, and really tell someone why I can provide value, sign me up. All right, well, you are signed up, you're here. So let's get <laughs> yep. it going. So the 313 
stands for what we will finish with. And three sentences, one sentence, and three words, essentially we want to tease out what that core messaging is. And for the listeners, at the end of the day, they get to understand more about you and the problem that you solve, but then we can also commiserate together and really brainstorm on what things we can remove. And so a little bit of strategy. So the first question is a series of three questions. What is the problem that you solve? What is your solution? And what is your market? And those three sentences, we're gonna spend the majority of the time on, and that's the first part of the three, not the one or the other three. And so we're gonna to try to boil down what you do into three sentences. And the first sentence, can you state the problem that you solve without any mention of what you do? It's, it's not natural, so just really think about this. And I do have a buzzer here, and if you do tell me what you do, you're gonna hear this. And, and we'll go from there. So this is a friendly buzzer, but it's real. No electricity will go through the Zoom at this point. Can you tell me the problem that you solve, but don't tell me what you do? So if I hear like, I help people or what I do, you're gonna get buzzed. So here we go. Higher education marketing curriculum is often antiquated with full-time faculty reluctant to adapt. Okay, there, there was a lot of words in there. You didn't get a buzzer. Okay, so that's good. There was no eyes or me's, but it was worried. But, but if I were to like actually listen to that, there was so much. And I feel like you said it in the last few words, but I don't know if like initially I got the whole thing. So what, like what, what, what was it that you said in the end? It's like, is it the antiquated or is it the association with? If I cut off the beginning, curriculum is often antiquated. Full-time faculty are reluctant to adapt. Okay, so there's two problems there then, right? And again, and this is just really diving in. So you have the, the content is antiquated. And then you also have the issue that faculty are not ready to adapt to new type of content. And the reason I point this out is because when you ask somebody what the problem is, the singular problem, it's obvious that you solve multiple problems and we can go into layers of layers of problems. But the challenge is, is to not say, that both of those aren't problems, but the challenge is how can you articulate the one biggest problem that sort of opens the door for all the other ones? If you can get me to admit that higher education curriculum is outdated, you, you sell me on that, it's only logical that the challenge lies within the professors and maybe even within this and within those things. So between those two, what do you think is the bigger issue if you had to rank those two problems, antiquated content, or faculty not adapting to teaching differently or new things? Gosh, it's, it's probably faculty, just because higher education is such an interesting animal. You know, you got a lot of tenure track folks and you got folks who've been around a while. And then, you know, when they get tenure track, it's, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of good, I'm golden here, I'm good. And it's hard to say, let's take a hard look at what principles you're teaching. And especially from my angle where I'm not a full-time professor where it's like, okay, you know, why should I listen to you, buddy? You don't have four diplomas on the wall. You have one and you work at a company and you do it for a living, but you know, a lot of whys and why should I listen to you and why should, and it's, I want to have constructive conversations. I'm not picking on anyone, but I want to try to take the blinders off a little bit and say, Hey, aren't we doing this for the kids? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, who are we doing this for? We're doing it for students. We're doing it for the next generation of folks. I'm not doing it for me, but if you are, Maybe that's why we're at this problem. Okay. 
And as you notice, uh, you and I are also similar in our passion for using a lot of words. And like, if you look at that, that, that was a lot of, a lot of things. And sometimes that's hard. So uh, a nice trick when you're trying to decide between two main problems to communicate, try identifying the biggest one, which let's say is faculty's unwillingness to adapt to change, then take the other one and put which results in. What that does is it keeps it as the core problem. So maybe one of the biggest problems in higher education is the reluctancy of faculty to adopt to changing times, which results in outdated curriculum, lower graduation rates, blah, 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 all, all yep. that other stuff. Then it just trickles, yeah. So that when you're in a real conversation with somebody, you have the confidence to just explain the top level and you can do it in a way that they can answer. Because if, like, pretend we just met each other in a virtual or non-virtual and ask me what I do. What do you do? Funny question. Uh, <laughs> actually do a lot of things. <laughs> but what I'm most passionate about is the problem that I'm trying to solve. And if you answer like that, it really changes the conversation. And now you're like, what problem does this oh, Yeah, what are you trying to solve? And then I could say, you know, I work in higher education. And the biggest problem that I see from the front line is faculty's inability to adapt in a changing world. And that results in blah, blah, blah. Then let's let that sit for a second. And I could turn around and go, so I don't know what your experience is with higher education, but is that a problem? In that little dynamic little role play there, if I focus on the one problem is the adaptability of, of faculty, then I can agree or not based on that one problem. But if you did say it was faculty won't adjust, the curriculum's, curriculum's not current, da, 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 and you ask me if that's a problem, I'll be like, I don't know if I can answer that, right? Yeah. It's so hard to not say more, but it starts this conversation back and forth. And once they agree that it is a problem, you can say, you know, you, you can ask them if it's a problem that they have, or if they have, you know, children in college that, that are experiencing that challenge, or if they're fearful of this. And if they say that they are, or they have that problem, if they're looking to be involved in the solution, or they want to know the solution, you can help them out. And you ha I have, still have no idea what you do. <laughs> So that's, that's where it's a, that, that's the main takeaway of the problem in one sentence. And, you know, sort of stitching this back into what we're dealing with now from everything from problems with pandemics to problems with equal rights. If somebody came to you and said, the problem is police brutality and the problem is uh, deep rooted racism and the problem is and is and is, and you'd like list all these problems and you go, don't you agree? It's like, ah. I don't know, what are you asking me? What, there's a lot of different conversations. So whether it's using this concept for your business or your idea or even your belief, when you just take one off the shelf, then we gotta have a dialogue about it and really be able to know where we're at and, and make change off of it. All right, so you've got your problem in one sentence. Do you wanna try it again or is that, because there's a lot, there's still work that needs to be done on it, but I just wanna make sure conceptually you feel like you're yeah i mean no the concept of let's pick the biggest part and then the results in i mean could i sp sprout it out without making some notes probably try not try but it. i think 
Try it. Try um, it. Let's see here. The so I'm going to set you up. I'm going to say, "What do you do?" You're going to say, "It's not really what I do. I'm more interested in the problem I solve." I'm going to be like, "What problem do you solve?" And then you'd be like, "Well, the problem is higher." Blah blah. All right. So what is it that you do? It's not really about what I do. It's the problem that I solve. Interesting. Well, now you're going to have to tell me the problem that you solve. The biggest issue in higher ed marketing curriculum is that it's antiquated, which was, oh no, I did it backwards because mm. I'm reading. The biggest problem, <laughs> the biggest, the biggest problem in higher education marketing is that the faculty is reluctant to adapt, which then results in antiquated curriculum. Okay. I actually work at UCI for the last five years. I'm in higher education. I can not only believe that, but say, yes, that is very true. <laughs> I, I'm also a professor. I teach uh, adjunct at Cal State Fullerton and at UCI Extension. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm now genuinely curious. Cool. I want to know what the solution is. So can you tell me your solution in one sentence? And the only way you're going to get a buzzer on this is if you just go, well beyond a compound sentence that you just, it ends up being more of a wordy wordenstein. Bringing practical real world experiences to the college classroom and modern teaching philosophies. Okay. So the still kind of double pronged because there was real world and there's modern teaching. So yeah, but it, do we get back to the dynamic of like prioritizing for lack of a better term? Yes, but because of the prioritization that you did, the core learning here is that your solution should clearly solve the problem that you stated. And, and that alone is the litmus test. So if you're bringing updated curriculum, that doesn't necessarily like that doesn't solve the problem of faculty. And then if that's really not the case, then maybe you could go back and say, well, maybe it's not that the faculty are, maybe it really is the curriculum. And then my solution is that as an adjunct, I'm able to flex my wings more and show how updated curriculum can truly be transformative. So it's like a checks and balances. It's not right or wrong. So what do you think? Like, okay, you're not on the, you're not, you got past another buzzer, but <laughs> what is your solution? Like if you had to explain to somebody, it's getting more adjuncts involved and being willing to have non-career or non-tenure track folks involved in your programs. Okay, right. Whatever you said right there, that sounds like it could be a compelling solution to faculty who have never really been challenged like that. And, and it makes me think, if you have an adjunct professor, and let's maybe look at the data based on the student feedback of theirs, and then we take a random selection of tenure professors who've been teaching the same thing for however many years, you could probably look and see which one performed better. You could then use data-driven approaches to show the university that these, it, it, I'm yeah. thinking yes. of all those steps. Yep. yep. So the, the real takeaway here is people often ask, what do you do? But in our heart of hearts, we just want to tell people how we do what we do. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, it, we want to do it for them because we want to help them understand. But sometimes the best way to get people to understand is getting them to want to understand. And so if you're positioning your solution as, is this a system? Is it a framework? Is it a mentality? Like, is it just your business? Like if you had to term it as like a product, a service, what would it be? Your idea, what you do? <sighs> 
I guess it's a a service. It's not, I mean, it's not a tangible product. It's a service. It's a, you know, consultancy mindset I can bring to people. So, so you're, so you're an adjunct professor, but you're, what your solution, are you helping other people become adjunct professors or are you trying to consult with higher educations and strategy? Like what, what, what pays those bills to make sure that we're, we're lining that up? Yeah, right. Right now it's doing the work, selling myself as an adjunct and getting more than more opportunities at more universities. Okay. So think about the person who's going to be hearing this. For me, as, as a, let's say college, am I more concerned with updated curriculum or am I more concerned with faculty members changing their ability to move with the times? should be the curriculum it's probably the easiest thing to solve for them and that's why they probably think it's curriculum oh because because those tenure professors that the the problem is that they they know they won't change like once they're in there they kind of have those it's hard to touch them so now this is where you can explore these steps and now go back and maybe because they're both problems but the problem that you're better suited to solve personally with your consulting is that curriculum is outdated which is no surprise because faculty members are resistant to change so do you see how we flipped it and we bid one as a result of completely and yep. your solution can say i have a framework a system a methodology that can show universities how to update their curriculum by simply hiring more adjunct professors. And then you go, does that solution solve the problem? (laughs) And if it's yes, okay, I'm getting excited here. Let's say (laughs) that you go to the administrators and say, do you see this as a problem? Yes or no? Yes. Is this a problem that your university has? Yes. Is this a problem that your university is looking to solve anytime soon? Yes, I can help you out. Wait, I don't even know what you do, but I'm interested. See, I can show you data in a, in a, in a, a fundamental blank uh, or a system that by simply hiring on 5 or 10% more adjunct faculty, it will result in a 10x of something, something. Like, I don't know what that is. And now you're not just an adjunct professor, you are a solution to a larger problem that they have and not just some other guy knocking on the door. And that, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big difference in the way that that's you would sort strong. of message, that's right? strong. Yeah, yeah. Now let's go even a little bit further. Let's say that right now universities are dealing with the lack of curriculum that maybe supports this new world order of equality, right? Maybe right now the problem is that there's not enough adjunct professors of color or of more represented areas and how that diversity can truly bring an updated version to your curriculum. It can make, it can make the public know that you're taking steps in the right direction. Now you're not somebody of color, but you having that as a core message and showing that this is a framework, a solution, like you're, you're supporting that message. You're part of that. It's, it's not one or the other. It's people who are, wanting to update curriculum who are adjunct professors and you could reach out and help people understand that yeah i mean you you turn it into a both and 
And, yes. you know, I can use my network. I can take this framework and still apply it to today's climate of we need adjuncts and we need adjuncts of every race, creed, color that you can find. Because look at the, you know, makeup of our student body or on down the line. And that will create more relevant current content. In fact, you're never going to change the professor and the faculty's <laughs> minds. But that's why it's so much more important that you have people like us, people like my network. I bring value because it's not just me, but I've got all these other professors and adjuncts that I can bring in. That's my, and if, if that works because you get hired in addition <laughs> to that, then, then that, that's yeah. a bonus, right? Yeah, yeah. And again, there's a lot of work that you can keep doing. I'm just trying to like shout from the bleachers at some of the things that the 313 structure like teases out, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. All right, so now we have your problem in one sentence, although we might need to change it around. We have your solution, which the point is gonna be it's solving the problem. And the final question is who's your target market? And you're not allowed to say the E word or the A word. E word is everyone. Oh. <laughs> and the A word is anyone. Anybody? Yeah, anybody. anybody. So don't say any college that or all of the universities and really think like get selfish for a minute and think about your intentional networking and, and where you're spending the time and the people of all the random streams and feeds of of the world who what what feed do you want to insert yourself into and who do those decision makers look like that's your target market so could you package that into a sentence and it can be a compound sentence. I hadn't even thought of it when you tease these out of putting it in a sentence. It was just a, it was pointed. Um, it's changed based on where we've kind of unpacked things to this point. If you just want it really pointed, it's probably deans, well, college of business deans. Okay. Most, most marketing departments live in the college of business. And so if you're going to make any impact on that college, you need to go straight to the source, which is the dean. And you need to say, here's a problem I'm going to solve for you to make your college better. And they will, oh, tell me what you do. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I like, I like that on the whole college campus, you narrowed it down to like that entry point. So I then challenge you, what are your top 10 universities that you would want to be talking to? Are, are, they, pen, are, are they a certain caliber? Do they all have a football team? Like, are, is there any <laughs> other filters that, that would work and serve you? to better solve that problem? That's a really good question. Um, and I don't even know if I have all the data to answer it really. And, that, and that's I mean, fair, but, yeah, I've that's been fair but, but let me cut you off for a second because <clears throat> we often get confused with the idea of narrow, but deep, right? So you can have an inch deep and a mile wide. And that's still pretty accurate because you're only going an inch deep. But it's when you get an inch wide and a mile deep that then you can start to get traction. There's just so much noise out there. So I oftentimes ask like location wise, like what about the colleges in your area that you could physically travel to? Because if you're trying to service a university in, in Ghana or in Tel Aviv or in Egypt, the dean of that business school, like do you want to get up in the middle of the night to make a, a cold call while their coffee is still warm. <laughs> it's just something to think about. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I think if you're going to nail me to it now and you're not, probably because I live in Alabama right now, so I've narrowed down to the, the southeast. So 
and that can be SEC schools or Sunbelt schools or what have you, but that's the kind of Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, you know, kind of the Southeast. But, but because you there. just narrowed it to there, you've taken all other continents off the table and that, that allows you to free up your marketing. As a marketing guy, this may resonate. I'll deal with the startup and I'll say, okay, right? Who's your target market? And they say, anybody who? And I go, all right, well, what's your marketing budget that you're trying to raise for? It's $3 million. Okay, so why don't you take, you know, 200 billion and divide it by three, $3 million. So you, you've got an ad spend of a couple yep. fractions of a penny. Um, so either you're incorrect on your, on your expectations of the money you need to raise, or you're targeting too many people. Targeting all, yep. And we get confused with the target market and the market potential. Market potential, like, could be all universities in the U.S., right? But here's the thing. You got to start somewhere. You yeah, got to build that reputation. Yeah. If you were going to start a fast food store, which I hope you don't, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you wouldn't start one in all 50 states. You'd start one, you get a brand, you get the following, you'd move across and, and cross, cross, cross. So I think the idea of a dean in the belt states that are around you, maybe that have bad ratings on Glassdoor or also historically have the lowest graduation rates, like another filter. So you can be like, have you seen your student reviews? Like rate my professor. Your marketing professors get terrible reviews and they're back every year doing the same thing. Yeah. hundred percent. So now you could say people on this specific geographic belt that have below three stars on average from their rate my professor have a glass door rating of this based on social listening, there's more negative comments by students than positive comments. And especially in a remote world where now students are having the force fed remote and online learning, you can't assume that your content can translate to an online platform. Yeah. So it's like, ah. Preach. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I said we do the majority of the time. And that was like, that's a majority of the time on those three sentences. Now, the nice thing is if we want to squish those into one sentence, it's only mathematics. You have a problem, which is a single unit, a solution, which is a single unit, and a market, which is a single unit. And you can take three individual single units and you can reorganize them six different ways. This is the problem. Here's how I solve it. Here's the people I solve it for. These are the people who have this problem and here's how I solve it. These people need my solution because they have this problem. It's like literally whack-a-mole yeah. with the three. I was going to say, it's like the cup game. Yeah, the cup game. <laughs> here's the problem you have. Here's the solution. Here's the market. Right? <laughs> that actually might be a good visual or video because it doesn't really matter the order because they're getting it one sentence. And so if you truly have defined that one problem, if you can articulate that single solution that solves the problem, and you can identify the dean in the location that has the ratings that needs it, then in one sentence, you can articulate this six different ways. But don't get intimidated by that. So as an exercise, just to try, and knowing that there's some defining and redefining to do, choose an order of problem solution market and it can be you have six different options what do you think psm smp i'm leaning to the one you said the very first time out of the gate the problem solve people 
Okay, so so in to some extent, it's going to say the problem is this. I solve it by doing this for these people. And it's not easy to do if you have multiple problems. And it's not easy to do if you've got, you know, dynamic solutions. So to just help you out here, which problem do you want to go with? Do you want to go with the outdated curriculum or with the faculty? I think we do, I think we do the outdated, or we do the, the faculty. Okay. Not willing to adapt. The solution is then adjuncts that bring the kind of real world experience or the, yep. the new age curriculum. Specifically for deans of business schools. Yes, in the, in the, in the Southeast. Yeah, yeah, in the Southeast. <laughs> that are performing below standard or whatever kind of standard I set. Yeah. Okay. So just try that as a natural sentence. So the reason why I get so excited about this as a structure is that like, it's, it's a structure. It's the P it's the S and the M. Like we've already talked about that for 45 minutes. So you can plug them in those holes. It still will feel intimidating, but the more you get used to it and eventually you're not even going to think that you're doing a three, one, three, you're just going to make sure those elements are in there. Yeah. All right, so try it out. And the reason why you might want to have it in one sentence, you have a shorter amount of time and you don't have a chance for a dialogue or you're standing up in front of the table and being like, hi, you know, my name's Todd and this is the problem that I solve for these people. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> so, was... so have a crack at it. Have a crack at the one sentence. All right. College faculty are reluctant to adapt Oh man, see, I'm already like stuttering. Okay, it's, well, it's so trying just to make the problem. The, the, the problem is, or the problem is faculty who don't adapt to new curriculum. Well, what is it? It's, see, it, it is hard. I, I can stumble through it as well, but you just yeah, gotta have to do it. Yeah. The problem is higher education faculty are reluctant to adapt and they, Mm. And that's and that's why universities need more adjunct more professors. Ad, that's what yeah, that's why universities need more adjunct professors who can bring real world experiences. In particular for business schools who've lost their touch with reality or with, with Yeah, with the next generation of marketers in the Southeast. That's kind of when you start getting No, I like that. I like that. The next generation of marketers in the like, cause that, that ties in. Cause you're really, you just went a little bit deeper. Sure. The Dean is the target market, but you're really trying to infiltrate to the students. The students. Like, so you could even, and I don't want to throw a wrench in it, but it kind of do, <laughs> you could go back to the initial problem and you could say the problem is students are not getting marketing. Students are not getting current or relevant curriculums. They're not. And that's a shame. The problem will be resulted in them having inadequate skills. The problem will be them getting outdated information that the problem is that they're going to have to go back to school after they've already invested in, in school. But there's actually a simple way to fix this is to bring in more diversity through adjunct professing. In particular, business schools and deans that are having a hard time recruiting and keeping up numbers and graduation rates that are looking for an edge in today's remote environment that's more sensitive to diversity than ever. 
right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm making some notes, like, because, you know, we've kind of bounced around between the, the, the curriculum and the faculty. And I think it, I think it is better the more we've talked, the more we've circled around that I think being able to say it succinctly and what succinctly is when you start with the curriculum. So it's the students not getting the curriculum. Therefore, you need to hire more diverse adjuncts with a real world experience, in particular, these deans with schools in the southeast that may have to adapt to the changing world of online curriculum. Boom. And then and then it stops. Now yep. it stops, but it will start the conversation. I was going to say that starts a whole nother prong of so da 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 and you kind of keep going. And where this all stitches into the 313 as a framework or a tool is that you could literally have three 313s, one for the curriculum. You could tease it out, get the messaging right. You could tease out the messaging for faculty and you could tease out the messaging for maybe that the dean maybe it's that their problem yeah i mean as long, it's almost like as long as you nail that audience you might have a couple different segments though you know as a as a true marketer it's if you're targeting to too many people you're not targeting anybody but to your point this is a little nuanced i can have a talk track for the adjunct folks to bring them along and i can have a talk track for somebody else that's bringing them along on let's start with the curriculum and let's start with the Let's not think about the faculty. Let's just start with bringing people in. Yep. I like where you're going. And, and it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you solve all three of those problems. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling you to not solve all of them. I'm just telling you to communicate one at a time. Yep. And where the value comes for your content creation and for your own social media strategy is to use these as filters. So if you're going to create a blog how can you make sure that you're identifying the problem that you're really addressing and then how do you make sure to weave in your solution and i'm part of that solution and then your market could determine on where you post it to where you advertise it to to what images you portray in it and so it can be used not as a oh i just solved you know i solved the 313 now i have it together well great but the idea and where i love working with people is teasing out these little verticals then create a podcast on that if that's what you need to do, or that should be what you're posting on Facebook because you have a target audience there. Here's a keynote that you can de develop based on this, which you're then complementing the content marketing that you're doing. I really feel people, they can create content, they can share their expertise, but when your content's scattered and your expertise is all over the place, you just add to the noise. So, a quick word from our sponsor. It's me. I'm the sponsor. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick time out from this awesome conversation with Todd and remind you how important it is to revisit your core messaging because it all starts with that core messaging and everything spawns from there. So if you are having a hard time locking down the problem you solve, how to articulate your solution and really narrowing your market, then that's where I can come help you out. It could be working with me on a one-on-one. -on -one. It could be consuming some of my content. It could be listening to one of my two podcasts. And it could be me delivering a speech to your company or a workshop to your corporation. If you're interested, it's as easy as going to ryan.online to learn more. And I'd love to push you beyond your comfort zone, put you in the hot seat. But what comes from that is eye-opening core messaging that will help to guide your ship. All right, let's go back to the show. All right, so we've got the three sentences, the one sentence, and now there's this three words. Forget about the three words. 
think of it as two different things in comparison to each other. Think about thing one is what represents you. And thing two is what represents like what your industry is and what you're doing. So just as an example, like if you identify with being a pitcher, okay, everybody knows the pitcher. And now you're trying to sort of revamp higher education. You could be, I don't know, the starting pitcher of adjunct professing or now see, I don't know if that necessarily works, but immediately, yeah. as soon as I said it, you're like, ah, yes, no, yes, oh, no, yeah. yes. So if you were, um, if you were type of vehicle, what type of vehicle would you be? The way you run your operations? Oh gosh. Are you a Tesla? Are you a Jeep Wrangler? Are you a Chevy uh, truck? Probably Chevy truck. Okay. Right. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm like your, I'm like your Chevy truck of, but see, here's the thing. If you're the Chevy truck of adjunct professing, that doesn't really speak to the modern and the innovative and the change in curriculum. We could talk about marketing. So you could be like a, what, what is something that creates updates? I'm like the update software for your college curriculum. I'm like the antivirus software. Yeah, that's what I was going with, like your, your Norton virus, or I don't even know that stuff's still around. But like <laughs> MacFree, I think is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But but think about this, right? Like, and we're we're kind of like edging into it because you're you're trying, you're almost creating like this, like think of it like a software. You're almost like a program that you you put into an existing system. Like maybe the university is the hardware. You can't change that, but you can add some more software. Or maybe you're like an application, you're like a smartphone app for creating curriculum. But if you say that, people think it's more, maybe more technology. So you, you, you really think I'm gonna people, come build them an app, yeah. People will start to stitch together based on this. And, and we might not come up with it right now, but the concept will become clear as you start to identify it and how it works with your brand. I was talking with a guy the other day and I asked him these questions and he's like, you know what? Somebody a long time ago told me that I was like a trim tab like a trim tab on a boat, very subtle movements, completely uh, changes the direction of the ship. I'm like, dude, that's it. That's genius. You, yeah. You're the trim tabs of blank. Like, oh my gosh, like that's it. So you might have that like aha moment and there might be a variety of things, but the goal is to also be able to make them up on the spot. Like let's say you're talking with a baseball, a Dean who also is the assistant volunteer coach for the college baseball team, <laughs> right? Make it realistic. And you know, he's a big baseball fan and you're talking with him. You go through some of these three sentences, one sentence, you're like, you know what? Think of me as like, and pick a position for his marketing department. Think of me as like the umpire for your curriculum. Think of me as first base on your curriculum. Think of me as, as the, 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 the monkey that people swing around. <laughs> Think of me as like, but, but what that does is it brings it home to him. And if you say, let me be the pitcher for your academic Senate, like that can speak volumes. Res resonates, yeah. So you're really getting people to think on their own, but still what you want them to associate. So again, this is another way that people can, can get, you know, in speaking, a lot of times you say, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then tell I'm going to tell you what I told, I told you. So this is a way that you can, like, let's say I meet you the, for the first time. You're like, you know, think of me as kind of like a, a trim tab of higher education. 
I'll be like, excuse me, Whoa, what? yeah. <laughs> so you've told me. And you're like, but really the problem I solve is that curriculum hasn't been updated since the 1600s. And that's a problem. Well, what's your, what do you do about it? I have a secret weapon. It's called adjunct professor. They have less requirements on the content that they can, that they bring. They're out there professionals working in the field and they're able to, to kind of be like uh, a systems update on your computer. It's a new operating software that you, that you don't want to update because you're fearful that your back screen is going to look different, but I'm telling you the guts will be stronger. See how, so it's, it's, you know, you can use it in a fluid way. Yeah. Well, it's just about making it all relatable. You speak their language or put that picture in their head of like, oh, I know what he's talking about. He took this complicated thing and he made it relatable yep. to whoever. I mean, it can be relatable in different ways. You went from baseball to electronics to trim tabs. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Obviously not an avid boater, but like I got it. You're like, yeah. oh, it's the guide. He's the guide. He, I totally get it. And your ability to communicate in that way will give them confidence that they can bring you into the meeting and, and you can make it relatable to the faculty in the, the academic senate. Thank you, Todd, for fighting your way through the 313 challenge like a pitcher in game seven at the World Series. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another 313 challenge. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you think you're up for the challenge and you want to sit in the hot seat, then you can visit ryan.online forward slash 313me and you can apply to be on the show. You can also keep up with every single episode by subscribing on your favorite app. Don't forget to leave five-star reviews, and you can find our show on Good Pods. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, and until next time, stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and be nice to people. Oh, and one more thing, keep it simple.